All right, so we've been doing this series called The Lost Religion. The whole idea is what have we lost in the church from the first church, okay, the apostles, to today? What things have become fairy tales that to them were real? The first thing we covered was eternity. And everyone had fun that Sunday, right? We talked about eternity, talked about death. Woo, it was a humdinger. You guys were jumping up and down and amen. No, not really. Um, pretty quiet that Sunday. But what we learned was this, okay? Eternity is the ultimate reality that there is something beyond this life that shakes us and brings serious pursuit of God and His kingdom. Meaning this, we get so caught up in such menial, everyday things. In our job, in that TV show that comes on, on oh, I can't miss Bachelor in Paradise. Amen, right? Anyways, again, we're all guilty, right? We're not going there. Anyways. There is something for all of us that just gets us so fixated on this world. And it becomes very easy to live in ignorance, to keep our head down, and to ignore the ultimate fact that this world will end. And this is the groundwork for understanding God, understanding His Scriptures, understanding why Jesus even matters. Why does this book matter? Why does Jesus matter? Why do we do all these things we do? Because this is going to be gone, and there's some other greater reality, something that's more real than this is, and we're supposed to be living for it, pursuing it, and making our lives all about it. And so how do we get there? We've got to get shaken. And so eternity is the first thing we have to grip. We have to let a little bit of that fear factor get us. Whoa, there's something bigger, there's something more, there's something coming, and I don't have the answers, but someone else does. Once that sets in in our lives, we begin to make room for God in our lives. Make sense? Sunday mornings don't become just Sunday mornings. It's not just a song. It's not just a story or a scripture. It's what in the world do I do? Is there really hope? Is there really God? Is it real? And so the second thing we covered was understanding the kingdom of God. If we know that this world is fading, that this will die, everything that we understand will be gone, what is coming, and it's called the kingdom of God. Everything Jesus talked about was in light of the gospel, the good news, of the kingdom. That's what he brought. He didn't bring the good news of salvation. He brought the good news of the kingdom. Our salvation, our hope, our life are found in this thing. So what in the world is the kingdom of God? And so what the kingdom of God is is this. The kingdom is all around us where he is in control and his desires are reality. We have to kind of shake off this understanding of seeing the kingdom as kind of heaven. And like we have this idea that heaven is like, you know, millions of miles over there and we're over here and they don't really ever mix. When the word heavens was often used to describe everything that was around us. Okay? And so it's as if this world, the kingdom of heaven, and earth are like this. And it's more of as if this world and this world are filling the same space. But it's a question of when this one is going to creep into this one and overtake it, okay? It's not that we're going to leave this place, we're going to fly and, you know, fly to heaven. It's that heaven is going to literally come and begin to overtake this world. It's a completely different picture of God. And, and of course, everyone says, ooh, I still have no idea what we're talking about. Me neither. That's okay. Let's keep going. Um, and, so, and so, in understanding that, how do we connect to it, okay? Like, what's this thing about. And the way that we connect, the way that the kingdom becomes real to us is through faith. 
Faith is the way that we begin to fix our attention, our hearts, our minds, our time, our efforts, our energy on the unseen, not the seen. And, and again, I don't have time to go through all the verses, but this language is through the entire New Testament. Fixing our eyes on the unseen, not the seen. Because what is seen is what? Temporal. It's temporary. It's fleeting. And what is unseen is what? Eternal. There's that word again. So faith is the way that we pull ourselves out of this world, out of bills and you know football games, which by the way, the Hogs play next week. Amen. Okay, sorry. Pull ourselves out of that world. <laughs> Through faith, we pull ourselves out of this world and we fix ourselves on the unseen. We begin to be more connected to the unseen, invisible God and He becomes tangible. He becomes more real to us than this world. His world, the kingdom, becomes more real than this world. And through faith, His world begins to go through us into this world. Everyone says, I've never seen that. Yes, you have. Jesus. Everywhere that Jesus went, the kingdom of heaven invaded earth. Everywhere he went. And think of it this way. The kingdom is, you know, again, a kingdom is a place you have a king. And so the king of the kingdom of heaven is God, obviously, right? And so in a kingdom, whatever the king wants happens. Agreed? So wherever his kingdom is, his will takes place. And if the king wants life, if he wants health, if he wants wholeness, if he wants joy, if he wants peace, if he wants prosperity, then wherever he reigns, those things happen. Make sense? So everywhere that Jesus went, he brought the authority of the kingdom of God. And so everyone who came into his sphere, all of a sudden, in this world, this person's sick. In the kingdom, that person's whole. Make sense? This is what we are called to. To literally be ambassadors of another world. And everywhere we go, we bring this authority. Because we in faith are so entrenched in the unseen, in the real world with God, that when we come into this place, we bring Him to it. We bring Him to it. It's going to be an interesting Sunday, amen? This, my notes were full about you know 12 hours ago and the entire job of this morning is not to get information. It's how do we compress it, okay? And I apologize because my mind feels blown, but we're going to do the best we can to cover a lot of ground. Hopefully, the computer guys were able to get all of my notes because there's way too many. I don't have the ability to go through all the Scriptures and explain everything. If you've missed the other sermons, I just encourage you to watch them, listen to them, because there's no way it'll all connect easily this morning. Because we got more to do. Excited? Everyone says, I don't want to. Can we take a break this morning? Can we talk about something just simple? All right, here we go. Here it is. So, we're talking about all this stuff over here, okay? The kingdom and all that kind of stuff. How do we really do this? What does this really look like? What is the kingdom? And why does it matter that we're called to bring the kingdom, okay? To bring heaven, if you would, to earth. Why does this matter? Now, to do this, we're going to go to our foundational text if you guys have your Bibles, and if not, I'm sure we'll all just look at the screen. Ephesians, the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. I'll be skipping around, guys. I apologize. This is one somehow I didn't put on there. Ephesians 1, verse 3. I will skip, so stay with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Again, here's this word again, the heavenly realms, okay? Again, 
This is not heaven. This is not this physical place that's way over there. Okay? This is the heavenly realm. This is, this is in essence, God with us. Okay? When Jesus came, whenever Jesus died, the veil was torn, and this separation between this world and God's world was removed. Okay? And so now the kingdom of heaven is all around us. God is as near and as accessible to us as we desire Him to be. And so we understand that now through Jesus we have access to all of the spiritual blessings. That sounds like a really fancy word. If your dad was rich, you would have access to what? To wealth. Okay. If your dad is God, he has more than just money. Okay. That is what the spiritual blessings are. So, through Jesus, we have access to everything that is God's. Make more sense? Okay. So, through Jesus, we have access in the heavenlies, okay, through faith. And again, all that means is this. When I connect to Jesus, I'm connecting to everything that is God's. It's accessible to me, okay? And again, that's in Christ, it's in the heavenlies, that's understanding again. Let's skip down to verse 9. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is a mind-blown Scripture. If you're taking notes, put down Ephesians 1, verse 10. This is the entirety of the plan of God from beginning to end right here. Here it is. That when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth. Unity means what? Together, right? So when the time is right, all things in heaven and earth is what? Heaven and earth are going to do what? Think about that. This entire thing called life that we're living is waiting in expectation for heaven to begin to come into unity with earth. And which do you think is going to win out when the two merge? Heaven's going to win out. Okay, again... So this is what time is counting down to. The entire world is waiting for this union to take place, for heaven and earth to meet. And uh, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth. But what is that last two words? Under what? Under Christ. This takes us to the understanding of authority. Okay? Power comes from authority. Okay? Meaning... All power has a source, okay? We have power not because of anything inside of ourselves. We have power because we access something else, okay? It's, and that access is called authority. To have power, you must have authority. And so now the, the question comes, why do we get to be used to access heaven, you know, to heal people, to bring wholeness, whatever? What's this about? And it comes down to us having to understand authority. So I'm going to give you a crash course in understanding authority. Are you guys ready? Put your like learning hats on. I'm not sure like what you guys need to do to get ready for this. If you're taking notes, you need to do it. I promise you. I'm saving you guys weeks of study, okay? <laughs> Take me up on it, all right? I promise you it's worth it. Here we go. First thing you have to understand about authority, you have to understand partnership, okay? Understand this. Genesis 126. Go ahead and fly there. Genesis 126. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule. What's ruling? Authority. And authority is what? Power. 
This is where we see the first handing off of authority. Delegated authority. Meaning what? Meaning God is always the most powerful, right? He's always the one with all the power. He's always the one with all the authority. But He has the right to give some away. Make sense? Delegated authority. Okay? This is the first time we see God hand off some of His Godship, if you would. And He hands it off to who? Man. And so, this is the first time in Scripture where we see God take His power and say, here, you have some. Think about that for a second. And so He hands it to who? To man. Which makes you think, how smart is God, right? Like, what are you doing? Who knows what He's doing? And again, it goes on and it talks about where we have authority. And it talks about all the animals, the birds, the fish. And in the end, it says the entire earth. So man is given authority, and with authority comes power. We're given authority and power where? The earth. Not in the heavens, the earth. We are given dominion. Okay? It is now our job to rule this place. Okay? So, with your understanding of authority, that's the first thing you have to understand, is partnership. We have to understand that in partnership, God's plan was always for partnership and to delegate His authority to us. Did you get that? It was always God's plan. It's always been in His heart to share His reign with us. I mean, just think about that. That just blows your mind. (laughs) President Obama walked over and said, hey, Here's a nuclear football. I just want to share this with you. First of all, you'd say, uh, no. <laughs> Secondly, you'd say, why? I don't have time to answer the why. I'm sorry. That's a whole other series, okay? But anyways, understand this is the first time we see him hand off his authority and he gives it to us. Now, what happens when he gives it to us? Here's the second thing that you must understand about authority on the earth. Second thing is authority was transferred. So now, in Genesis, we see He hands us the authority, and then what happens after that? The garden, and in the garden we had the tree, and then we had the snake, and then we did what? The big S word, we sinned, right? And so at the tree, we transferred our delegated authority through disobedience and sin to Satan, okay? We are reigning, okay? So first it's God, He's in control. Then He gives us control, so in essence, we're reigning. And then who do we give it to? Stupid snake, right? And then we hand it off to him. And it does what? Once we give him the authority in this realm on the earth. Again, we didn't have authority in the heavens. We had authority on the earth. And we gave the authority on the earth to Satan. And it began his reign. A king has a reign. A reign is the amount of time that a king rules. From the garden to today, that king has been ruling the earth. And he still rules the earth. But there's a place He doesn't rule. The heavens. God always retained authority outside of the earth. And again, let me just put it this way. There's a lot more outside of the earth. Okay, there's a lot more going on outside of this place than what you think there is. And so He's always retained His authority. He's never given that up. Okay, Satan first went after authority in the heavens and what happened? He lost it. He was cast down to earth. And then he figured, well, I'll just get authority here. And he got it from us. He could never trick God into giving it to him, but it wasn't too difficult. It took a whole matter of 30 seconds to trick us into giving it to him. 
And so through His reign, He brings His will. And His will is what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so now that He has control and authority, He ushers in something called death. Death and pain enter the world because in His reign where He's control, that's what He desires. And that is the opposite of the kingdom of heaven because what God desires is life. And peace and joy and hope and wholeness. Are you starting to get this? Seeing it? All right. So we had authority. We lost that authority. We handed it over. Here we go. So what's God going to do about it? Huh? We're going to do about it. All right. First Peter 2.9. If you guys have your scriptures. I don't know why I went Jersey all of a sudden. No clue. No clue. All right, here we go. First uh, Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Uh, what you have to understand is that the preface to this statement is Peter is talking about the nature of God and how Jesus came in a lowly form. Jesus comes and he's, he's actually rejected. And he's saying in the same way that, God, that, that Jesus was rejected and despised and seen as weak, he's the one who had all the authority. And in that picture, we are despised and seen as weak, but what do we have in Jesus? Authority. And so because of the authority of God put into his Son, that kingdom used to rule this kingdom. It's been overcome, and now there's you know, a different warlord who's reigning here. So what does he do? He sends his son as an ambassador to set up camp, to, to begin war. His son comes, and when Jesus arrived, that battle began. He sets up camp, and he comes and he claims this earth as his father's, even though it's not his father's yet. Again, Satan is still in control right now. But he comes, and everywhere he goes, he takes back authority. Picture castles, okay? Did you guys watch Braveheart? Yes, you've all seen Braveheart. If not, shame on you, okay? So what do they have to do in Scotland, right? They have to go. The first thing they have to do is they have to retake their home. So they go to every castle, and they retake it. Make more sense? Jesus comes, plants a castle, and now he starts to make an army, and it's your turn to take castles. I don't know. I'm trying to make this make, you know, more of a natural connection here, okay? Here we go. So what he does, he creates an army. He doesn't call an army. He calls it what? He calls us kings and priests. He doesn't call us warriors because it's not us who do the fighting. It's us who do the wrestling, but it's, us, it's not us who do the fighting. It's us who use delegated authority as kings and priests to win this war. A king fights in battle much differently than a warrior does. A warrior gets in there and does this, I guess. I don't know what they do, right? What does a king do? He gives orders. What does a priest do? He has access to God. And so as kings and priests, we don't fight this war with our hands. We walk in to situations and we give orders. By His authority, I'm taking authority. This is not yours anymore. This is now his. If you have a problem with it, take it up right there. It's starting to make sense. So, so God's solution to the earth being in turmoil, 
to this, you know, this reign of darkness is His Son through us. Because He has now made us sons, kings, and priests. We'll have to come back to that. Now, this picture, here's the fourth thing. This picture of God's plan to retake the earth is seen in Genesis and also Revelation. If, you guys, if you're taking notes, you can put down Revelation 21. We won't go there this morning. From Eden to the new heaven and earth, we see a picture of the sons and kings of God renewing partnership with God to reestablish His reign through restoring and reconciling this world. So what's happening is this. God's plan to retake the earth is for us to receive His Son, to put on our sonship. And again, as a son, you have a right to what? Everything that's your father's. You understand His affection, His plans, His love for you. And that gives you confidence to step into kingship, authority, and into priesthood, complete connection with God. We don't have authority because you don't, you don't know your sonship. You don't know the power you have because you don't know how much He loves you. It's that simple. It starts with understanding His love for you. We covered this last week when we are talking about what faith is. When we begin to comprehend His love for us, we begin to understand how He sees us. And it changes how we see ourselves. So, from the garden to the second coming of Christ, the plan is, is that through us, we would partner with God to bring heaven to invade earth. I hope you are taking notes. I'm telling you, saving you guys so much stupid work, man. Lots of headaches. All right. So now we understand authority. We understand that the reason that Satan has authority, because Satan has power. He has power. But where does he have power? On the earth. Okay? And, and so we understand that Satan has power because we gave it to him. Yes, it's through God, but it was from God's hands to our hands to his hand. And so if we're the ones who gave it to him, now we're the ones who take it back. Do you see that? Why in the world does... And again, this question I don't really have an answer to. Why would God go to the extent to use us to retake the earth? I mean, yes, Jesus starts it. But why would He even allow us to be the ones to do this? And again, it goes back to understanding His heart for us. With your sons and daughters, you want good things for them, right? And typically, the things that you value the most are the ones you want them to share in the most. Often we have problems with our kids when they don't really value what we value, right? That's a whole other discussion. Okay. So I'm sitting there with Liam in the kitchen before eating this ice cream. It's cookies and cream. No, it's not no, uh, cookie dough ice cream. And the whole time, I'd been giving them just the vanilla with like the chocolate chip in it. And so I've been taking the cookie dough for myself, right? So he smiles at me and I look at him and I go, I don't want to keep this from you, man. You can have the cookie dough. And you should saw his face. Whoa, what is that? You know, it's like, you've been holding out on me, man. You know, and, and so like, from there, he starts to look in, you know, like, you know, you know, to make sure I'm giving him the good stuff. When we understand his love for us, it makes sense why he wants to partner with us through us. He wants us to share in this joy because in even the smallest way, if you've ever experienced what it feels like, to really help someone, to really see someone 
get help or hope or joy or to find peace. If you've ever been around that, there's something so fulfilling. It's, it's just a feeling beyond this earth. And that, honestly, is what it looks like to operate in the authority of God to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. To make things right. That's what it's called. When heaven invades earth, it makes things right. Because the way that God designed things was right. And that's the way that we're going to return to. There's, there will be no pain, no death, no end to our existence. And one of the things that we see with God is that this partnership, this, this, this handling power continues beyond this world. And we see this in scriptures, and I, I can't even go into this, but again, we see a picture of us when this world is overtaken with the kingdom of God, that we will continue to partner with Him and to create and to... Oh, it's beautiful. Anyways, for another time. Okay, so now we have to understand, since we know where the authority comes from, we understand the fight. We need to understand a little bit more who we are fighting. Who we are fighting. Um... My sons are really bad about hitting each other, okay? You know, it's like, guys, we're on the same team. You know, it's like, what were we doing the other day? We, we were playing with some uh, lightsabers. And at first, it was the two kids against me, right? You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get dad. You know, and then, like, they get so caught up in it that the youngest one just starts swinging at everybody. He's just like, you know, you know it's like the worst thing to do is to give someone power and authority and for them to not understand who the enemy is. Very dangerous. One of the other reasons that many of us do not operate in authority is because we don't understand kingship. And to step into kingship, we must understand who is the source of our power and who our enemy is. God will not give you authority and power until you understand where to use it. So the first step is we have to connect with Him as sons and daughters to understand His love for us. The second step is we have to begin to understand, gain wisdom in understanding who we are warring against. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. I apologize that, you know, I have to give you guys the short versions. I encourage you to go back and read, you know, the entirety of the books that we cover. Um, Ephesians is filled with this theme of warring and this understanding of who our enemy is more than any other book. Um, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Colossians all have this in there as well. But Ephesians has this consistent theme that comes up over and over again. And the reason was, was because these believers at the time were being overwhelmed with fear. They didn't understand how to, you know, how to have victory uh, with the things that are going on in their lives. And so that's why this theme is so clear to them. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You need to understand this. You are not fighting people. You have to get this into your head. In the same way that your Savior is not a person on this earth, your enemy is not a person on this earth. So many of us are too busy caught up being fooled into fighting the wrong battle. Again, we will not receive authority and power until we understand how to wield it. And against whom, okay? We are not fighting people. It doesn't matter how bad that person is. He, is. he or she is not the enemy. And it doesn't matter how great that person is. He or she is not our Savior. 
that's got to get sunken into us. Again, that's a whole other series. Someday. Here we go. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Stop there for a second. It's very easy to see the phrasing here and understand the rulers and the authorities of this earth would be people. It's not. This is a literary device that's used in Corinthians as well to depict the levels of authority and their function. Specifically, if you see this, he talks about, he, here he hits the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So again, we're talking about the, the forces of evil in this world on the earth. And then we're fighting against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we know that God has dominion, but we also know that Satan is still at work in the spirit realm. Okay? So you have to understand this, okay? In the same way we are called to operate in the kingdom of heaven to bring that reality and authority and power to this world, there are spiritual agents that are operating in that world to bring those realities into this world. Does that make sense at all? Okay, we understand that when Satan fell, he didn't fall alone, right? He took people with him, all right? This is not a, a doctrine that is rampant in Scripture, but it is there. And so we do see that in the same way that God has levels of authority, we see the same thing in the other world, in the dark world. And again, it's, it's not important for us to get super caught up in that world because our authority so trumps theirs, it doesn't even matter. But what's crucial is this. What we must understand is that everything evil in this world comes from Satan, not from a man. That's the point being made here. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting evil at work here that's coming from over there. Does that make sense? It's coming from Satan. So you're not fighting the person. It's all coming from Satan, and you have to understand it. In the same way that all of our power comes from God, all of theirs comes from Satan. So we are not fighting people. You can have a bad government, you can have a bad business, you can have you know, a bad army, you can have a gang, it doesn't matter. It's not the people. It's the forces of evil that are working on the people. In the same way that God can work on and through you, so can the forces of darkness. And again, it changes how you fight. If you think you're fighting people, you will fight a certain way. Let me even say, you will use different weapons. If you think you're fighting flesh and blood, you will fight flesh and blood with weapons that hurt flesh and blood. It doesn't matter what kind of high-powered gun or knife you have, it's not going to hurt anything in the spiritual realms. Those weapons are useless there. We have to have different weapons to fight in a different kind of war. And again, why is he telling this? Because as Christians, you have to unplug from this world and plug into the other. This isn't even the problem. What you see is not the issue. What you don't see is the issue. Did that connect for you? What you see is not the issue. What you don't see is the issue. And again, this is only one instance. This, this theme comes up in Colossians and in Corinthians again and again. Constantly trying to make clear to us we are not here to fight a physical war. Why did the Jews miss Jesus? They misunderstood who their Savior was, and they misunderstood where their battle was. The Jews believed their Savior was going to be an earthly king with an earthly army, and they believed their enemy was Rome. So what happened? They missed their Savior, they lost their battle, and they're still searching. 
You cannot make the same mistake. Does that make sense? Does that kind of hit us? Again, this is not an earthly battle. This is a heavenly one. But here's where we have to understand. The battles that we win in the Spirit directly affect the natural. Okay? It directly affects the problems on the earth when we begin to war in the heavenlies. If we only fight in this world, these problems will continue to multiply because its source is not being stopped. Think about a weed, right? When a weed is actually birthed, you don't even see it. It's under the ground. When that thing pops up looking like a dandelion, that's when you see it. If all you do is mow over that baby, what's going to happen? It's going to pop right back up and there's going to be 20 more, and then 60 more, and then 80 more, and then, you know, then you have my lawn. You know, again, right? Like, you understand, right? It's not about what's on the surface. It's about the source. If you deal with the source, what's on the surface stops. One of the things I love about um, church history is um, in all the areas where we saw the, the kingdom of heaven really move, when we saw you know, people groups really gripped by God, you would see a direct connection in the natural. You would see crime go down. You'd see poverty go down. You'd see death tolls go down. You could see sickness go down. Again, it's not that they were out here fighting those things only in the natural. It's that because the kingdom of God was breaking through them, it was causing that chain reaction. What, what happens here affects there. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is there. All right. Here we go. So, we understand the essence of our fight. Here's some things for you again, if you guys are taking notes. The fight is not against people, governments, physical things, or our flesh. If you notice that, that, that Paul was very specific to say flesh and blood, he didn't say flesh, because he talks about flesh in other places, right? He talks about that battle, the internal battle we have with sin, and he calls it our flesh, right? I mean, I'm not crazy, like, right? You guys have heard that? Like, everyone looks at me like, what are you talking about? Okay, flesh, flesh, I mean, such a terrible word. Anyways, in other areas, he talks about the wrestle that we have with sin internally, and he calls, calls it flesh. This is flesh and blood specifically to tell us it's not about, it's not the battle we, we have inside. The fight is not against, it's not fought in a distant heaven or in this natural world. The fight is not fought with weapons of this world that bring death. The fight is against Satan and his forces who temporarily control and influence this world. The fight is in the heavens that surround us and pierce this world. And this fight is to be fought with spiritual authority and weapons through obedience and faith in Jesus that bring life and reconciliation. I'm sorry, that was a lot, wasn't it? Or not, sorry. Okay, we'll keep going. All right, here we go. We're, we're going to wrap this up. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. So if all this stuff's going on, we need to understand... How does our army advance, if you would? You know, I mean, the, the language here is of, you know, a war. So how are we supposed to win this war? You know, I mean, how's this thing work? Are we supposed to just, you know, I don't even know. You know, I'm, I don't want to spend too much time here, you know, but we are not the only religion who believes that their God is supposed to take control of this earth. Um, you know, there are, there are many Muslims who do not fall into this category, but, of course, the ones that you see on the news do. 
And that there are some, you know, some radical extremists who are trying to take this world by what? Force. They're trying to take this world physically. They're trying to take dominion and control and authority physically by using weapons of what? This world. This is the perfect picture of how you are not told to fight this war. They are fighting on the wrong battlefield. Completely missing it. Do not be distracted in thinking this is the war that we are to wage. And again, in church history, we have made this mistake before. Look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? He had people come to Him with swords asking to fight. And what did He say? No. I don't need your help. If it was about that, I've got angels to do that. It's not about that. And he chose to fight this war in such a way that it confused most of his followers. Here he is, you know, he's up on the cross and he's about to die. And yet, to everyone who had eyes to see, as scriptures say, he is, he's making a mockery. He's triumphing over his enemy and he's, he's mocking them. Because he's doing it in such a way, with such love, such sacrifice, that his enemy was not even able to see it. His enemy thought, Satan thought he had Jesus defeated on the cross. When it was the opposite. He didn't bring the angels in. He didn't bring in the swords. He didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't, you know, kick Caesar out. He planted something in the middle, in plain view. Here's a scripture. Matthew 13, 33. And again, here's Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated Every part of the dough. Sit there for a second, okay? What the kingdom of God is like is a war, a physical war, waging all around. Blood being spilled. And Jesus, in the midst of everything, without anyone even knowing, putting a little bit of the kingdom of God on the earth in His love and sacrifice. And yet, that one act of obedience is so powerful that that yeast has begun to permeate the entire world. That one act was so powerful, such a seemingly small thing that he did, but yet its impact is continuing to grow and to spread. It's almost like a virus. Just planting this little piece of the kingdom of heaven, and this thing is spreading. The way the kingdom of God is supposed to spread through us is that we let a little bit of the kingdom in us and it begins to spread inside of us. It begins to just permeate, to fill, to just, I mean, imagine a cup of water. If you just take that one drop of red dye and you put it in, it just instantly begins to just permeate everything. And the way that we are to live and to operate is to take Jesus into every home, every workplace, into every area of this world and begin to infect it with the kingdom of God. To where a world that runs on greed and death and power and fear, we begin to infect it with selflessness, with love, with hope and joy and peace. And all of a sudden it begins to just creep up and infect and fill and touch everything. And then all of a sudden what's there begins to slowly seep into what's here. And all of a sudden, without anyone even knowing, it begins to take over. 
These aren't my words, people. This is Jesus. The kingdom of God is like what? We all want it to be like a giant rushing wave, a tsunami, boom. Yeah, I mean, that's what we want, right? Okay, just like one big battle, you know, like here comes Jesus, it's over, right? And he says, no, it's not like that. It's like yeast. We're all like, what's, what's yeast? But the point's at the end. Just a tiny drop, it begins to permeate and fill everything. Your job in this is to find a way to unplug from this world and to get with Jesus. In just a little bit goes a long way. When you begin to get with Him and allow Him to show you His love for you, all of a sudden that little bit begins to change the way that you see your neighbor, the way that you begin to interact with your spouse, the way that you parent, the way that you act at work, and it begins to spread from you to them, and then from them to them, and then it begins to just multiply. And you can't stop it. Here's the problem. We don't do that. The problem is we are so plugged into this world that we take fear and selfishness and envy and pride and anger and we begin to plug it into the person next to us. We plug it into our children. We begin to pour it onto our spouses and we begin to infect this world with what it already is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's the bad news, right? It only takes that effort of pulling off of this and beginning to get with God. But once you start it, it begins to snowball. Once you start the problem, once you begin to get with Him, it infects you. Everyone's like, I don't know if I want an infection. But it's off. I promise. And again, our example is Jesus. He didn't come with an army. He didn't even come with a spiritual army. Again, I mean, you know, well, if this whole, this whole battle's in heaven, why don't you just bring your angels and win it, you know? I don't know. What he chose to do was to come in every single arena he was in, when he ate with people, when he talked with people, the way he looked at them, the way he talked to them, everything about him was just planting that seed of the kingdom. God loves you, he's near to you, and he can change everything if you want him to. Everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom of God went. And what God wanted for people happened. When he came across someone who's sick, God wants them healed, and the person was healed. When there was lack, when they were trying to feed, you know, 15,000 people, what's God do? He, multi he, he makes it out of, well, not nothing, but he takes six loaves and he multiplies it. There was lack and now there's not lack. He goes into the heart of the Jewish Roman government and in their faces takes authority. You think you have authority, you have no authority. Here's why. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to die and I'm going to plant this seed right in your face. And this is going to spread life and hope and joy, and it's going to bring heaven to earth. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up and get out of here.